it's not happening now, it's actually not happening. Yeah. But so many of us are either replaying and yeah. rehashing or we're rehearsing something that is yet to come. And yet mm. receiving the present moment when you experience it and when you yeah. have that peace, it's like, oh, why can't I live like this all the time? <laughs> Welcome to the Living Centered Podcast, where we enter into honest conversations about pursuing a more centered life, rediscovering, reclaiming, and rooting in to who we truly are. I'm your host, Miles Edcox. I'm your host, Lindsay Nobles. And I'm your host, Mackenzie Boat. Hey friends, this week, Lindsay and I get to introduce you to Jeannie Stevens. Jeannie is the founding and co-leading pastor of Soul City Church in Chicago and author of the new book, What's Here Now? How to Stop Rehashing the Past and Rehearsing the Future and Start Receiving the Present. Y'all, that is an excellent title and also a book that I think a lot of us need right now. Lindsay and I had such a powerful and thought-provoking conversation all about her new book and what it was like writing a book about being present in the midst of a global pandemic. This topic is so needed by so many of us that are trying to make sense of this season of our lives, and I can't wait for you to get to meet our friend, Jeannie. I think I'm just really excited to talk to you because you wrote this book all about being present in the middle of a global pandemic. Mm -hmm. And what a weird time to write a weird topic. (laughs) My agent was like, are you sure? I was like, I wish I wasn't sure, but I know this is the book that God is telling me to write. And it was the gift of me learning how to be here now. Mm, It's so needed in this time. I think Mm. I was flipping through the book and was like, oh, we all need this. Mm. And I think it's the sitting at the juxtaposition between I think it's, it reminds me of being mindful, like being mm-hmm. where my body totally. is rather than in the future yep. or in the past. Mm-hmm. And so I think that could be interesting. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's it's this idea that if it's not happening now, it's not happening. Mm. But we live other places yeah. because of this up here, right? Yeah. We live so many in so many other locations than the now. Mm-hmm. And in the process of writing it, I really just got to a place where I was like, no, the zip code of, of God is present. Hmm. It's like you can't really experience oneness and connection in the past. You can't experience that in the future. You can only experience that here in this now moment, right? And mm-hmm. yet, man, I'm so quick to leave the moment. Yeah. To think about the meeting this afternoon, even when I'm in the presence of other people, right? Or yeah. to think about what happened yesterday and why didn't I say that? Or I should have said that. Or I regret saying that. You know, all those things. So, Yeah, it was such a gift to try to be in the middle of a pandemic and be present to it. Yeah. When all I wanted to do was be out of it. Be escape of it, yes. You know? Yeah. (laughs) So, which I'm like, that's a larger curriculum for life, right? I I always am thinking about where else I want to be versus the now. So, yeah, in a small way, it's like you you write the things you need to learn, people say. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, people do say that. You know? And so I'm like, I guess I needed to really learn this. So, Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. That's so good. I am really excited to have mm. authentic conversation. I know you're on the gauntlet. Mm. So just know that we are excited to sit with you today. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Well, I was doing the practice right when I drove in, which is actually something I would love to do um, on the podcast. But yeah. just like I drove in and I was like, okay, what's here now? Mm. I'm like, <sighs> gratitude, like my thoughts instantly went to gratitude for you and just years of friendship and yeah. knowing one another and holding space. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm like, oh, thank you. Gratitude's here. Then I was like, what's my feeling? Nervous. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, putting a vulnerable book into the world. It's yeah. like you can't take it back. <laughs> and so oh. then your words live and it's not yours anymore. It's It's everybody else's. So I'm like, yeah. All those fluttery feelings of vulnerability are here. I'm like, what's in my body? <sighs> I got a good night's sleep because I slept in a hotel and no one <laughs> came into my room. And so I'm like, my body's calm. So yeah, just even doing the practice is, mm. it's such a good practice. Like it always brings me into the moment versus somewhere else. So I just made a commitment like in every interview, I want to do the practice so people realize how easy it is to yeah. come into the present moment. 
Like the last thing I want is for people to be like, this is daunting. I don't know how to do it. I'm like, no, it's simple. Mm-hmm. You can actually be here yeah. and be here right now. And so, yeah. that The practice again is you start with. Yeah. You just start with what's here now. Um, what's in my body? You know, you kind of like scan your body. Like for me, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm rested. My shoulders, you know, feel a little bit of tension, a little queasiness in my stomach. Um, then what's here? My thoughts, as I just shared, like, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm grateful. Like mm. my thoughts are running through gratitude. I'm thinking of different moments where yeah. we've like sat in this actual setting, like, and talked about things or being in your home or reaching out to you and being like, I need to come to onsite. Like there's mm. so much grief here. And you saying, yeah, that's good. Um, mm. So gratitude. So that's the next part is, so what's here? My body, what's here? My thoughts. And what's here are my feelings, you know, yeah. my heart state. And just checking in on it. And it's amazing, like, doing those three things, you can literally do it, and it can happen in 30 seconds. And yeah. then you yeah. come back into the present moment. It's such a, a grounding, peaceful experience. Mm. I'm curious if you guys would be willing to do it. Yeah. Like to, if I could even lead you through it real yeah, quick. Yeah, let's do it. Um so for me, I just always close my eyes when mm-hmm. I'm practicing presence because it helps me be less distracted. I'm an easily distracted person. And I wonder if you would just scan your body and notice what's paying. What are you paying attention to in your body? Then what's here in your thoughts? Think paying. I'll, I'll give you the gift yeah. going second, Lindsay. How's that sound? And, the, and then what's here in your in your heart? In your heart. Yeah. Um, I think in my body, I'm feeling a little bit of tension in my legs, in my hips, um, and that's just kind of been feel like I've been carrying a lot emotionally and physically. I have a 20 month old that I carry a lot, mm-hmm. and I think in my thoughts, I have really. Um, I want to be present in this conversation. I want to. Be right here, but I feel like my head is a little bit um, planning of like, what is the next mm-hmm. thing I need to do? What am I doing for dinner? So I'm trying to bring it back over here. <laughs> and then I think in my heart, I just have a lot of gratitude today. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of settledness um, and feeling a little divided even in myself of like feeling like, okay, I have a lot of gratitude, but also um, just carrying some wait, I think, uh, acknowledging some of the things that have been going on in the pandemic and that have been going on in my own house and just feeling a tension between Mm. anxiety and gratitude. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Um, My body feels just kind of uh, heavy. I've got a little bit of a tickle in my throat from Mm. the wonderful spring allergies Mm. here in Nashville. Just, yeah. So I think that that is sort of leads into the head of like, do I, do I have enough Mm. energy? Do Mm. I have enough Mm. stamina to kind of tackle today fully Mm -hmm. and be present in it? And then my heart, I would say, yeah, just maybe a little bit of overwhelm and Mm. um, gratitude of just, there's like so much goodness, but so much right now. Mm -hmm. And so just kind of um, holding both those. Mm. So beautiful. Mm. It's so simple too, isn't it? Yeah. And you so. shared in the book that you like use some app so it would send it to you at random yeah. times throughout the day. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the whole thing came from me. I, I tell a little bit about the story in the book, but I was just in a season where, you know, interestingly enough, I'm I'm in faith-based work and mm-hmm. my husband and I started a church and I felt like the work I was doing for God was slowly deteriorating the work of God in me. Yeah. Mm. And I was like, gosh, here I am living a life of drawing people into a transforming relationship with God, and it's not working on me. Mm. Like, I feel dull. I feel numb. And uh, reached out to a friend, and, you know, I was like, hey, I I need to get in a circle. I I need to be doing some deeper work in a community of people. And so he leads this like conscious leadership group, very similar to the work that is done at Onsite. Yeah. And so I joined this group. I didn't know a single soul, didn't know a person, you know, all those nervous yeah. feelings of walking into the group like, oh, who, who are these people? Are they going to accept me? Who am I? Who are they? 
And I remember that first group setting. One, he started with us just saying, I just want you to say your name. I don't want you to talk about what you do. I don't Mm. want you to talk Mm. about who your people are. I don't want you to, you know, talk about all of those identities that you have out in the world. Just tell us your name, and then I want you to answer these four questions. The first question is, what do I want you to know about me? Mm. What do I really want you to know about me? What do I not want you to know about me? What do I really want you to not know about me? And I was like, and I'm out. I know, seriously. <laughs> like, Ooh, this was this in person and not this on This was Zoom, in person. Right? This was pre-COVID. <laughs> You're like turning the camera off and <laughs> exactly. walking. Exactly. Oh, and um, oh, Mackenzie and Lindsay, in that moment, I watched authenticity and vulnerability mm. come to the surface in people's souls like I had never tasted before. That's, I mean, that it just was, like cuts right to yes, it. It cuts right to it. I didn't know their last name. Mm. I didn't know if they were married, if they had children, where they lived. I didn't know what they did. And yet I knew their identity. I knew mm. who they were. And then the leader, what he said, he's like, so right here, we're in the present moment. You're experiencing presence with one another. And I was like, I want more of that in yeah. my life. Like yeah. that's yeah. that's how I want to live. And so he really taught me this practice around the idea of locating yourself, you know? Like real estate, people always say like location, location, location. And I feel like it's more of a spiritual mantra than a real mm. estate mantra because most of us are not here. Yeah. Um, no. we're, we're not really here. We're somewhere else. We're either rehashing the past or we're rehearsing the future. And learning to receive the present moment is such a powerful experience. To me, I think that's the place of peace. Yeah. I think that's the place of oneness with God, of oneness with one another, of belonging, Mm -hmm. of of holding the moment and and holding space for whatever else is going on. And, And it's so, it's like, why do we make this so hard when all it is is like just scanning what's what's here in my body? Yeah. What's here in my thoughts? What's here in my heart, you know? And every time I do it, I'm like, oh, I'm here now. Mm. I'm here. I'm here with friends. I'm here with presence. I'm here with God. It, it's just, it's amazing. The other thing that's like so remarkable about the presence like being in the present is like that's where you have your power and your agency. Yes. Yeah. Amen. And you that's can like make choices. Yes. And mm-hmm. so true. Um, I think it's so weird though, because I feel like culture tells us that we shouldn't be here mm-hmm. and that we should be goal yep. setting. We yep. should be thinking about the future. Yep. We should mm-hmm. be, yeah. Or that we need to reconcile our past. And, yep. you know, at yeah. Onsite, we do think so that much there of that work, yeah. is a Absolutely. lot of work and answers in your past. Yes. But the reason why you do it is so that you can be present. Exactly. And understand mm-hmm. how you are sometimes in the present getting tied up mm-hmm. in the past and you don't realize it. Yes. You're yes. acting yeah. out past experiences in your everyday. you're so right. And I'm one of the biggest advocates for digging in the dirt of your story. I think it's so necessary. I've sat on Mm. hundreds and thousands of counselors' couches (laughs) and in group (laughs) therapy circles, and I I am a believer in that work. It's just the past is a great place to learn from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not a place to live though. Yeah. And Amen. so many of us we try to relive the past. Yeah. And you know, for me, I I've kind of discovered that there's these like telltale signs for me if I'm going to the past. And so I write a little bit about it in the book, but the the five are blame. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm in a blame setting with somebody in a relationship, shame is a huge trigger. Um, When I am living out a shame story, um, Jim Cress, who was my uh, on-site leader and counselor and dear friend now, um, you know, he always says that shame is self-hatred at my expense. Hmm. And when I'm living in a cycle of that shame, it's like, no, you're you're in the past. You're not here now. Grief is a huge one. When we're not walking through our grief. 
so many of us just stand at the wall of grief. Yeah. Bitterness mm-hmm. is, a, is another one. And then guilt. All of those, whenever I feel them coming up yeah. in my soul, I'm like, oh, indicator, red light. <laughs> it's you like the are, dashboard you, telling you. Yeah, you're not yeah. here, actually. You're there. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then there's indicators for the future, too, right? And I'm a huge advocate for for planning and dreaming and vision and all of those things. But so many of us, when we contemplate our future, we're contemplating it through the lens of worry, denial, Mm. pretending, obligation, control. And so those are like these blinking lights for me to say, okay, you're not really here. You're somewhere else. And, you know, as I... As I said earlier, if if it's not happening now, it's actually not happening. Yeah. But so many of us are either replaying and yeah. rehashing or we're rehearsing something that is yet to come. And yet mm. receiving the present moment when you experience it and when you yeah. have that peace, it's like, oh, why can't I live like this all the time? <laughs> we talk a lot about medicators at Onsite mm-hmm. and even hearing the way that you were describing that, I cast out into the future, project into the future yeah often as a medicator. Yes, I do too. It's an external thing to get mm-hmm. me out of the internal what I'm feeling right yes. now. Like, okay, I'm not satisfied in this moment or I'm feeling, you know, worried about whatever. Mm-hmm. I immediately, if I can make plans in the future or if I can access that, like it's such a a way for me to cope. Yeah. And I think it was from my earliest days. Like yeah. you can't affect right here. What can we affect mm-hmm. in the future? Let's cope that way. Like yeah. that was... Such I'm the same way, Mackenzie. I love a checklist with boxes. Yes. It is the best. I love you to know, accomplished. I, I, exactly, and Take that control. joy of of checking that box. And and it is a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. To to be intentional and to be thoughtful. But you're exactly right. It can cross a line to become a medicator. Yeah. To be a way that we leave presence. And mm. I would always know when I was writing the book if I was leaving presence because I would go and like reorganize a closet. Mm. <laughs> right. Or, or I would be like, I need to research on Amazon new food containers, right? Like who needs new food containers? My food containers are fine, you know, yeah. for how I store leftovers. But yeah. it was a way to leave presence because there was actually worry here. Mm-hmm. Um, there was fear. There was anxiety. And, you know, one of the things that I, I talk a little bit about, especially with emotions, I think so many of us want to give our emotions answers. Mm. And say more about that. Emotions aren't looking for an answer, they're just looking for space. Mm-hmm. If good. you think about what emotion is, it's energy in motion. It's just something that needs to be moved through your body. It's mm. not looking for, you know, my fear doesn't need an answer, it just needs space. It just needs for me to give it healthy space, not destructive space, mm-hmm. and, and allow it to move itself through my body. Um, this group that I was telling you all about that I was in, oftentimes some of the practices that we would do is just let emotion move through us. And I, I remember doing that at Onsite as well. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, it was kind of scary. I, you know, part of my story is. I have some significant um, loss experiences mm. with both the loss of my dad and a very sudden loss of my brother. In fact, I came to Onsite mm. a good, I don't know, maybe it was four, four or five months yeah. after my brother passed very suddenly. And um, for me, I remember joining this group and the leader saying, let's, let's let that sadness really move through your body. And I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Because if I start grieving and sobbing and crying at the depth at which I'm feeling this loss, I might not stop. Yeah. But what was so interesting to me was, he, you know, and he's like, we're just here to hold space for your grief. Mm-hmm. And, and I did. I just started to sob and to grieve and to cry. And it was amazing to me. I actually experienced peace on the other side of that. Because I was holding back my grief yeah, from moving through my it. body. It makes it yeah. You know, yeah. I was either denying it or mm. stuffing it. And it's like, you know, you try to push a beach ball underwater. What's it going to do? It's going to pop out. And usually yeah. it pops out sideways. And mm. I think that's what many of us do with our emotions. We try to give it answers or we try to contain it or we try to deny it or we try to stuff it. And 
all an emotion needs is just to be named yeah, and then to be felt. That's it. That's all it's looking for. Just name it for what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love the feeling wheel. Yeah. Um, and and um, I, I love, hel- I, even with my kids, I'm like, what are you feeling? You know, and if they say the word fine, I'm like, nope. Nope, not acceptable. Let's get a little bit of that. <laughs> Here's the 86 feelings. What might you be feeling, you know? And just trying to name what's going on inside of us and then giving it healthy space. But I think so many of us are afraid to do that. Mm-hmm. We're afraid to do that. Have, in your work around that, is are there emotions that you've realized you have a harder time feeling than mm-hmm. others? Yeah. I'm afraid of judgment. Mm-hmm. even though I experience it regularly. I'm afraid of connecting and it attaching to my identity. Mm-hmm. You know, when yeah. I feel that feeling of either self-judgment mm-hmm. or judgment on others, there's that fear of, oh gosh, where's this coming from? I feel this criticism towards mm-hmm. another person or towards myself. And I I don't want to acknowledge that this is in me. Um, yeah. It feels really yucky. It feels really scary. Like, oh, am I that kind of person? Yeah. You know, what does that and say about me? What does this say about me? And and oftentimes I'm attaching to that emotion. I'm yeah. giving it an answer that yeah. it wasn't looking for. And oftentimes I'm just afraid of doing the actual work that needs to be done back over here, right? Mm. I'm projecting out there what needs to come in here and what I need to process in myself. And I think that's oftentimes what happens in projection, right? Yeah. We we throw out onto somebody else what we're afraid is true of ourselves and so I would say judgment, because I think for me, Lindsay, it's a connection to arrogance, mm. and it's a connection to pride, and I I so don't want to be that kind of person in the world. I'm an yeah. eight on the Enneagram, yeah. and eights really hold power and control, mm-hmm. and I've seen the underbelly of yeah. that power and control in others, in myself. And so I'm like, oh, I, I don't want to be that kind of person in the world. But I have tendencies yeah. towards judgment. And so instead of ignoring them and denying them, why don't I just choose to be with them? Okay, what's mm-hmm. here now? Where's this judgment coming from? What are you seeing over there in that person that you might not want to see in yourself? And actually let it turn and be a gift. Um, so judgment, I would say anger is a really interesting mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Um, you know... As being an eight, do you mm-hmm. feel like you are more familiar with anger than maybe you are with fear? Mm-hmm. Or definitely, yeah, definitely, because anger is a powerful emotion, mm-hmm. and we access power when we feel it. Yeah, I think you know, especially connected to grief. I think a lot of people choose to go the path of anger instead of the path of feeling the sadness. sadness. Yeah, when loss occurs, and yet. Feeling anger is actually really important because it leads us into inner places of where we may be experiencing an injustice, yeah, where we may be experiencing a sense of this is this is not right. This is a, a wrong in the world that I need to pay attention to, or something that's off in me that I yeah. need to pay attention to. So anger is always a good one, um, especially when somebody else is feeling it, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, so uncomfortable. Yeah, it's so uncomfortable when we know somebody's angry with us or they're upset with us, and all we mm. want to do is fix it. Yes. You know, I mean, we talk about this at Onsite, the fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah. But I think so many of us, there's a fourth F, and we want to fix things. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. you know, where's like... I. I don't know if I'm flying or I'm fighting or I'm freezing, but I definitely want to fix your anger at me, right? Yeah. <laughs> and um, especially with my kids, like yeah. I, when they're experiencing anger, I want to fix it. And it's been such a good tool for me to go, okay, what's here now, Jeannie? Like maybe Elijah and Gigi need to feel this anger all the yeah. way through. Mm-hmm. And can you create a container that's safe enough for them to feel it. Like, can you imagine if we produce kids in the world that actually know how to feel their anger, know how to feel their sadness? So, yeah, that's been such a good gift for me to to know how to name and just be a noticer. I I think 
we want to give answers to everything. And what if mm. we can just become noticers of ourselves? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, what's what's happening here? What's going on inside of me? Can I just notice my thoughts? Can I just notice my feelings? Can I notice what's happening in my body? And not solve those things, right? Mm. I, I want to fix everything. And, and I am a fixer. And so it's good for me to just be with what is. Hey, friends. It's Mackenzie. And Hannah here, and this month is Mental Health Awareness Month, and in celebration, we are committed to bringing you resources all month long that equip you in your mental health journey. At Onsite, our vision is to create an emotionally well world and have humanity reconnected. So we're on a mission to destigmatize mental health and emotional health, and all month long, we're bringing you social posts, free resources, special offers, and conversations. Yeah, and we're really excited about a couple, a set of conversations that Mackenzie and I created for bonus episodes of the podcast. And so every week of this month, you'll be getting a mini bonus episode from Mackenzie and I talking about things like how to talk about your mental health, how to ask for help, how to check in on a friend, and so much more. These conversations are so fun. And we also want to remind you that as a podcast listener, you always have a special $20 discount on any of our Emotional Wellness Masterclasses. Yeah, and if you haven't checked out these classes yet, I love them so much because they really make uh, a mental health and emotional health topics really accessible. And so these are a great entry point if you want to start doing some of your own work, if you are doing some of your work and you want to take it a step further. Right now we have classes on emotions, on grief, on trauma, on relationships, and we're coming out with new ones all the time and we're so excited about them. So you can just head to onsiteworkshops.com slash classes and use the code podcast at checkout. Yeah, and make sure you're following along all month as we'll be sharing all sorts of fun resources and as we cheer you on in Mental Health Awareness Month. So, happy Mental Health Awareness Month. We are grateful for you, friends. For a long time, I really um, categorized emotions. Like, Mm -hmm. these are good emotions or these are bad emotions. And some of the work for me has been like, they just are. Like you were saying, like, they're... They exist. Yes. They're here. And I think you talked about some of the really beautiful sides of some of those emotions. Mm-hmm. Like the we always say the shadow side or the gift. The gift of anger yeah. is that it awakens yes. us to injustice. Yeah. It awakens us to something that's yeah. wrong and it kind of motivates us and it puts does. us into action yeah. and gives us back agency yeah. or an opportunity yeah. for agency. Yeah. Where obviously we we are very familiar with the shadow sides of emotions, yeah. but I think often we're not familiar with the gifts of that. Mm-hmm. Um and because of that, we are we overly attach or we deny. Yeah, I think that's so interesting. How you yeah, talked about that. and I, I read a little bit about this, but an unfelt emotion mm. really can become a person's mood, mm. and um, like unfelt sadness becomes apathy. And you know, we look at apathy and we think, oh, I, I don't want to be apathetic. I don't want to live like that. But it probably began with an unfelt sadness yeah, or um, unfelt anger leads to bitterness. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I notice bitterness in myself, I'm like, Ooh, there's some anger that you weren't willing to deal with. Unfelt delight actually is a pathway to depression. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes we'll find ourselves in seasons of depression or a dullness, right? And I'm yeah. not talking just a clinical depression. I'm, I'm talking about that gray dryness that, that we probably all felt a bit of in COVID, right? But there probably was a bit of unfelt delight that we were willing, that we weren't willing to feel. We were restricting it. Yeah. And then it led us to something else. And so these unfelt emotions actually aren't helpful to us because they lead us into cycles of unhealth. And, And then we just perpetuate this mood that isn't our true self. It's mm-hmm. not who we really are. And it really just started with an emotion that was energy in motion. It just needed to be felt all the way through. Mm, that's really interesting. I've been reading Brene Brown's new book, yes. Atlas of the Heart. Isn't it so good? Oh my gosh, it's so good. It's I just so good. talk about getting language yes. for emotions and how often we have some experience and we name it one thing, but it's mm-hmm. really another. Yes. Um, and the concept of near enemies is what mm-hmm. I've been thinking of. She talks about like the near enemy yes. of depression is actually unfelt delight. Like mm-hmm. that's yeah. that would be a context for that. So yeah, yeah, her book Super. is so good. It's I, so good. I'm reading it as well, and in, in, in a book club with it right now, and yeah. it's just so good. And the it's power just language, it's language, and she writes about that in the beginning. And 
I just so appreciate her and her work and what she's brought to the world of helping people wake up. Yeah. I, I think that's so much of the gift of Brene is she's helping people not walk around in the dark, right? Yeah. Not sleepwalk yeah. their way through life, but actually be here and be here now. And you're exactly right, Mackenzie. Being able to name something, put a word to it, mm-hmm. understand it. It's so powerful, and I think it leads to freedom. Mm. It really leads to a, a deeper understanding of ourselves, a deeper understanding of who we are in the world, and a deeper understanding of how do we belong with one another. You know, yeah. Because to me, the litmus test of change and transformation is our relationships. It, it means nothing to do this work, to do the deeper work that we do at onsite or, or wherever else in a practice of therapy or counseling, whatever, if our relationships aren't changing. Yeah. And, you know, my husband or my children or my closest friends, they should be able to be witnesses yeah. of this work in my life. And if they're not a witness to it, then it's like, is this is this work really working? And I don't know if I picked this up at Onsite or not, but the phrase that the work works if you mm-hmm. work it, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think our people are the ones that are actually the reflectors back to us to say, mm. yeah, I see this change in you. What has been relationally like kind of the impact of all this work that you've been doing Mm -hmm. about being present, especially Mm -hmm. during COVID? Like what did that look like for you and your (laughs) relationships? Oh gosh. Yeah. I feel like COVID was this unbelievable light that kind of just, it, it just turned the lights on, on everybody's real fears. Yeah. Their real life anxieties the worries that they hold, you know, worry is just this idea of believing that the not yet is better than the now. Hmm. And that's so much of what COVID was, right? Yeah. Not yet, not yet. We don't have a vaccine, not yet. We're not out of the woods, not yet. And yet our now was living in the midst of a pandemic. I suppose we still are, (laughs) just a different phase of it, right? And every time... We tried to leave the now with the hopes of the not yet. I think every one of us brought chaos on ourselves. Mm -hmm. We brought confusion. Disappointment. Disappointment, (laughs) anxiety, unbelievable anxiety. It just threw the roof. People that probably never struggled with anxiety are now like feeling that pressure in their chest, right? That feeling that comes Mm -hmm. from anxiety. And it's because we were, we had this light uh, that turned on Mm -hmm. called COVID. And I believe that it actually was a great opener of our true selves, of what's really happening inside of us. And it was awful. I mean, so much loss, so much pain. My father-in-law passed from COVID. So, mm. I mean, we we had our own yeah. um, personal journey through it. So many people that are a part of our community really had either loved ones themselves that passed or they themselves walked through COVID and it was really challenging, you know. And I, I think this light of COVID was a light of what's really going on inside of us, like mm. the the reality of the human spirit, yeah. <laughs> which I'm such a big believer in who we are as people and what we're capable of and our resilience. But I also think it was this picture of how much we're prone to worry, how much we're prone to fear and anxiety and not trusting that there is a God. And <laughs> if, if, if that is your faith practice, there's a higher power yeah. that is holding us all together. Mm-hmm. And gosh, it was such a teacher. It was such a curriculum for can we be here in the present moment with all of these circumstances that none of us would choose. Yeah. I think, it, Mackenzie, you referenced medicators earlier, mm-hmm. and I think that was something about COVID. It definitely cut off, yeah. like, yes. the planning medicator. Yes. Yeah. Like, there were several medicators that maybe are, 
like on the healthier side of medicators right. yes. that it cut off. And then it was They're like you had acceptable extra even. access to <laughs> alcohol. Yes. You know, it was mm-hmm. just an interesting upheaval kind of of yeah. the things that we do to cope yeah. and that like how cutting some off and then having extra access to mm-hmm. some, it's like, how do you manage it? How do you, mm-hmm. how did we sit with it? Could we feel the feelings exactly. of what was going on yeah. and acknowledge our fear mm-hmm. and acknowledge our anxiety mm-hmm. and acknowledge the overwhelm? Yeah. Yeah. And be a noticer even of the thoughts that yeah. are flying through our mind. You know, I, I write about this a little bit in the book. That thoughts are like, um, I kind of liken it to the metaphor of an airport. Like th- there's there's thought planes, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're always coming and we actually have the power to decide, am I going to let this thought land on my mind or am I going to clear it, you know, for takeoff? And I think in COVID, all of the thoughts of anxiety and fear mm-hmm. and, and of course, you know, we were all watching the news. And that's just another perpetual space and place that wants to have thoughts of fear and anxiety land on our minds, right? And so we're just filling our our thought life and our feeling life. And then it's showing up in our bodies too, right? And and the body doesn't lie. The body Mm. is probably one of our most faithful and reliable gifts because the body doesn't know how to tell a story. Right. The body only knows what the body is. Yeah. And so, you know, if, mm-hmm. if you're feeling anxiety in your body, you're feeling stress in your body, you're feeling pressure in your body, well, something's going on. Yeah. And so it's amazing how much there was a result in relationships blowing up yeah. in the midst of COVID. That's interesting. Because I think people weren't taught how to hold all those things. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know... I, even in in writing this, I thought, gosh, I never learned these things growing up. No. Why, why did I learn algebra, which I do not use now, <laughs> <laughs> but I wasn't taught how to notice my emotions and I wasn't taught how to pay attention to my thoughts. I just believed every thought that came through my mind. And it's like, no, you don't have to believe every thought you have. Like you can clear that um, mm-hmm. to go somewhere else and say, no, that's not true. I'm not, I'm not going to let that land here. Or why wasn't I taught to pay attention to body intelligence, right? Oh, I yeah. spent so many years just, talk about medicators, just medicating myself away from not paying attention yeah. to my body, right? Yeah. How can I ignore this vessel that carries me through life that is perhaps my most faithful and reliable gift to depend on? How can I just like beat it up, not take care of it, push it till it's exhausted, right? Right. And yet those three things, our thoughts, our feelings, our body, they're so essential to having healthy relationships, Mm -hmm. to what we do with those things. And in COVID, gosh, so many people, their relationships blew up, Mm -hmm. whether it was because they had difference of opinions, they, you know, they felt one way about COVID, their friends and family felt another way about COVID. Then there was the racial reckoning Mm -hmm. that elevated so much inside of people, an election, right? And so our relational worlds just were like a a blender. (laughs) And I feel Mm -hmm. like COVID just like hit the blender and everything kind of went haywire. And gosh, if people could have the tool to actually see one another, Mm -hmm. hold space for one another, go, okay, you're you're walking through COVID the same way I'm walking through COVID. You're experiencing this feeling. I'm experiencing that feeling. Like if we could have just been space holders of a global pandemic versus judgers of how everybody is walking through a global pandemic, I wonder what the relational temperature would be like today. Yeah. Society feels so heightened it and does. there's, it's amazing where I think we used to get over pe- our differences with people mm-hmm. easier. Now mm, they feel like a deal breaker. They do. And I, I'm curious about sort of your role as a pastor and yeah. holding space for a community mm-hmm. that is not homogeneous. Yes. <laughs> and how, how do you build this sort of practice and this like relational reconnection Mm -hmm. Mm. and like more skill around that in a community. Yeah. 
I think that for me, it's around, um, you know, in, in faith-based communities, we talk about like orthodoxy, right? Like what are the things that we hold to that are our, our set of beliefs? Yeah. To me, I... And, and those are important, but to me, it's almost more important to me, our orthopraxy. Mm. How do we practice what we believe? And if we are people of grace, how do we practice grace? If we're people of hospitality, who do we have at our table? And so for me, Lindsay, it's such a good question. I want my orthopraxy and I want the people that are a part of our community, which you know, you know about yeah. our community. It is wildly diverse, and in every kind of diversity of thought, of belief, of how people show up in the world around their different convictions on things. And so, for us, we want to be people that practice these values yeah. of of grace, of presence, of love of hospitality, hmm. of valuing one another and who we are as people above what we are as people in our beliefs. And if I can only be in relationship with you because we hold the same belief, then what does that say about whether I'm a person of love or not? Right. Mm-hmm. I, I want to be in relationship with people because that's what I'm called to do. I'm called to be a holder of space of human beings and to see the divine imprint of God on their life, mm-hmm. whether we think the same thing about a mask or not, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. whether we think the same thing about a vaccine or not. And you're exactly right. In COVID, these different orthodoxies, these beliefs, these convictions became our deal breakers. Mm. And we elevated those above our practice of love. We elevated them above our practice of holding space, of looking across the table and just going, yeah, you show up in the world different than I do. You think about relationships different than I do. You, um, you practice your beliefs different than I do. Mm-hmm. You're loved. And so am I. And I, I just watched in COVID that like tumble down, right? Yeah. Those, yeah. those walls just were a mess. They yeah. were a mess. And so in our community, we are really far from perfect um, <laughs> because I'm a part of it. So that's what makes know, it right. imperfect. Messy. Um, it's messy, you know, but for me, I, I kind of secretly delight. Like when I'll look out in our community and I'm like, oh, I know that person is a Republican. And I know that person's a Democrat and they're sitting next to each other. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I, I hope they start talking and I hope they start connecting and I hope they ask one another to go to coffee. And I hope they see that there's so much more that is similar than mm-hmm. different. Yeah. And yeah, so for me and my work, I try to put people around me that are different than me. Yeah. That are, um, they show up in the world different. They have thoughts that are different. And and of course, you know, you need your people where you feel safe and where you feel yeah. seen and where you feel loved and you can kind of work it out and, and you have those commonalities. But I just think it's every time I'm with somebody that thinks about something differently, I grow. Mm, I transform. I have a new angle and a view to a problem or to a situation that I didn't have before. And I think that's so good for us. Yeah. So instead of dividing, if we could actually come together and be like, wow, there's a lot more that's similar here than we realize. It's additive. It's not subtractive. I remember a long time ago conversation that I had with you about sort of your role as a pastor, as a woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, one of your mentors at the time sort of pushed back mm-hmm. on that you really carrying that title and stepping fully into the role of pastor as a woman. And what I was so impressed with at the time was that you told me that you invited him into a series of conversations where you both could just get curious around how you Mm -hmm. came to the beliefs that you came to. And, and, and so I just would love to hear you just speak to that curiosity Mm, and what that makes possible Mm when you're willing to step in 
to intentional conversations around what you might disagree on. Right. Um, And yeah, what that makes possible. Yeah. I remember that conversation Mm -hmm. too. And I remember the experience and it was so good for me because I knew he was showing up with a different set of beliefs. He had a different set of convictions and I, (laughs) my younger self and especially being an eight often would show up in the world wanting to change somebody's convictions and wanting to, and and not just change them, make them mine, you know, make theirs mine. And because that's right, right? Exactly. Right. (laughs) Right. Because I always think, well, my beliefs are the right beliefs and your beliefs are the wrong beliefs. And thankfully I am grateful that I approached that relationship and approached that, that set of beliefs around Mm. gender and around whether a woman should hold, you know, a a position of spiritual leadership over a congregation of people. And I showed up with curiosity instead of conviction. And I think that it opened doors for Mm. us to see one another and to hear one another. And isn't that what the human heart most wants yeah. to just be seen and just mm-hmm. to be heard. But if I would have shown up with trying to prove, trying to change, trying to force something, I don't know if I would still be in relationship with that person today. Right. And yeah. what's so beautiful is I'm still in relationship with them. And yeah. we still text and we still talk and, and we still believe something differently. And that's okay. It, it really is okay. And and they've been a huge blessing in my life, and and I hope and believe the same is true of me in their life. But we opened into just a series of conversations around how they show up mm. with that belief and how I show up with my belief. We were able to hold space. And I think holding space for one another, it's such a lost art. Yeah. But when we experience it, like when somebody holds space for you, it's like, this is heaven on earth, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. I know the times when people have just, they've just seen me or they've mm-hmm. just heard me. They haven't tried to change me. They haven't tried to give me answers. They haven't tried to like redirect how I'm feeling about something. They just let me be. Yeah. Oh, it's it's such a gift of presence. And, you know, that story in particular, I think I was first learning my way, Mm. way back then, that giving space is much better than giving answers. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. it keeps relationship intact. When When we have to force answers, it oftentimes can be a breaker in a relationship because it gets so definitive and it gets so forced. Yeah. And I'm... I'm becoming more and more reluctant to answer people. Like answer people, I get I tend to back myself up a little bit from them because I'm like, there's more and more mystery in the yeah. world than there are answers in the world. And I have found that spiritual peace has come into my life when I've made peace with mystery. Yeah, for you sure. know, That's good. when yeah. <laughs> when I force the spiritual question of why, I want to know why, I want to know why, I want to know why. Well, for one, I've never gotten the answer to why. Yeah. <laughs> never once has God right. given me the answer to why. But when I come at it through the lens of what, like, what do you want to teach me? Mm-hmm. What do you want to produce in me? What needs to shift? What needs to change? What What are the invitations of growth here, it all shifts for me. It's such a different lens to walk through life. And so I'm so drawn to people Mm. that have made peace with mystery. um, And they're open to questions more than they try to force answers. Um, Well, and that gives you room to grow and evolve and learn. Absolutely. Because when you're forced into answers, that then that answer has to st- you, you feel like that answer has to stick. Yeah, you kind of have to and attach you have to defend it. Yeah, you have to attach to it. And what if that answer shifts? Mm. What are you going to do then? Because, gosh, Jeannie in her 20s and 30s, I'm like, oh, wow, I am such a different person now. I continue mm. to grow and evolve and yeah. shift and change. And so if I keep forcing myself into 
it has to be this way. Yeah. It's always this answer. It doesn't leave room for grace and process and growth. And I think so much of the last like two years for me has just felt like everything's gotten smaller, smaller, mm-hmm. smaller, smaller. And this having to attach to this way or this way and make a decision and answer just makes it so much smaller. And I want to live more expansively. Yes. And mystery creates room for expansion. It does. Where I think answers make you get smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah. And you think about the people in your life that can hold that openness. Yeah. Right? I'm attracted to those people. Yeah. There's something about somebody that is open that Mm -hmm. makes me want to be in their presence. But people that are closed and and they hold to this, this tight curriculum of this is what it is and this is how it has to be and this is what we believe, so this is what we do. Yeah. I... I feel restriction it's uncomfortable. in that. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's hard to grow yeah. in those settings. Mm. Well, thank you for coming. And I'm so excited. Your book comes out May 17th. Yes. And we're just so excited about it. I hope that mm. it gets into everyone's hands and that you get to give that gift mm. of presence. Thank you. And thank you so much for the work you both do at Onsite. And what an incredible space and place it is of healing Mm. and hope and presence. Um, Both myself and my husband have gone through Living Centered. I've referred countless, countless Mm. friends uh, to go and be a part of Onsite and the work that you do in this world is so needed and so necessary. So I'm grateful to be a recipient of it. Thank you for listening today and for committing valuable time to share space with these powerful stories. Make sure you hit subscribe to get all of our inspiring conversations with these incredible people delivered directly to you. And if you found this conversation particularly impactful, consider supporting the show by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. When our emotional health is suffering, many of us begin to feel alone and overwhelmed. If you're in that place right now, we deeply encourage you to ask for help. If OnSite can support you in connecting the dots with one of our programs or other offerings, our admissions team would love to connect with you. Simply call 1-800-341-7432 or visit onsiteworkshops.com.